0: We thank you for your grace that you've given us the Word and you've given us your Holy Spirit. And may your Holy Spirit so enliven us and illuminate us right now that we'd be able to hear what word you have to say to us this morning through your written word. Speak, Lord, through me, and speak, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Well, this morning I'm excited because we are concluding uh, our series that we've been in called Every... Values that change everything. And we believe that these things are so important to the life of of our church together. And I want you to think about uh, what kind of church you would like to be a part of. We believe that these things are true, and we hope that this kind of church is us. But I want to recap where we've been, and I want you to see these values we've been talking about. And I want you to imagine, wouldn't you love to be a part of a church that looked like this? Part of a church where everything was centered on God's Word. God's Word was the foundation of all that we do. Where every member viewed themselves as a missionary on mission for Jesus in the neighborhood, in the workplace, and as a church together. Where every meeting was a prayer meeting because we wanted to consciously depend on the Holy Spirit. Where every member is a minister realizing that they have spiritual gifts to serve and build up the body of Christ. Where every nation is hearing the gospel because we realize we're part of the grand movement of God. Even though we're a local church, we have a big heart for the world. Imagine being a part of a church where everyone is walking with Jesus. You're so encouraged to go there because everyone is so close to Jesus, they're just building you up in the faith. Imagine a church where every generation is connected, where children and teens and adults and grandparents and the Lord worship together as the body of Christ. And imagine a church where today we're talking about where every treasure is dedicated to God. People who will sacrifice everything that God has given them for the glory of His name and the good of the church wouldn't you love to be a part of a church that looks like that? I know I would. And that's our goal. That's where we're shooting for. And today we're talking about the last value, every treasure dedicated to God. Friends, God gives us many treasures in this life, things that are of value. Everything we have is a treasure given to us by God. Our very lives, our possessions, our families, our talents, our bodies, everything we have been given to us is a gift. And we are to steward it on God's behalf. It's all God's, and we'll one day, we'll give an account for how we have stewarded the treasures and the gifts that he has given us. And often in the church, when we think about the concept of stewardship, and I think rightly so, we usually focus on the topic of money and finances. Uh, And we hit on that a little bit this past fall with the parables. Um, And it's true, we are commanded to be generous and to not store up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Uh, But today, I don't want to focus on that topic. Today, I want to address a topic that's not often, not as often addressed in the church, which is the stewardship of time. The stewardship of time. I believe time may be our most valuable treasure because our time is our life. Our time is our life. And I want, I want to give you a few reasons why I think time is maybe our most valuable treasure. Like one reason why time is, is so precious is because our time on earth is very short. Our time on earth is very, very short in comparison with the eternity that we'll have on the other side. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, the apostle, he said, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. The average lifespan in America is 78 years. Our time is limited. Yes, it's a morbid thought, but it's true. Each day we get closer to the end of our life. We get closer to the end. So we need to make sure that we steward what little time, what short time we have. It's so precious. Another reason why time is so precious is because time is not guaranteed. Time is not guaranteed. One glance at the news, or perhaps one glance at your own life, will show you that unexpected things happen. Tragedies happen. Disasters happen. We don't know when these things will strike. We don't know when our our life might be over at any moment. We are not guaranteed the next hour. Jesus may return today. We don't know. Our our future time is not guaranteed. We only have the present. We only have now. Another reason why time is so precious is because time cannot be recovered. You know, if something happens to you and you lose a lot of money, you can almost always find ways to make more money. If you lose material possessions, you can often just buy them back, or insurance will cover it. But when you spend your time, it's forever gone. It cannot be recovered. It cannot be renewed. We cannot go back and relive our teenage years. And some of you say, "Thank God." <laughs> that was a horrific time. And some of you are like, ah, oh, I'd love to be back there. It was a great time in life. Whatever, whatever it is, but we cannot go back to our teens, to our 20s, to our 30s, and so on. That time is spent. We cannot go back. It cannot be recovered. It is what it is. That's how we spend our time. And another reason why time is so precious and a more positive thought is this: I believe. Time can change the world. Time can change the world. What you choose to do with your one life will have ripple effects into the lives of others, the kingdom of God, and into eternity. How you choose to spend your life, your time, can change your life, your family, your neighborhood, and the eternal destiny of other people. It can change the world. So with time being so valuable, let's turn to the Word of God together and see what wisdom the scriptures might have for us in stewarding this precious gift well. Would you turn it to Ephesians 5 with me, the text for this morning that Rita, uh, read to us? And I want to look at specifically verses 15 through 17. The Apostle Paul is writing in, it, in, the, in this context, in this chapter, he, he starts off with this uh, metaphor of, of darkness and light, which we've heard before. We're, we're in this world where it's divided between the light and the dark, and so therefore we need to walk in the light and be careful how we live. So then he says in verse 15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, the question I want to answer uh, this morning from our text is How can we steward our time well for God's glory and neighbor's good? How can we do it? Number one. We do it by we closely watch how we spend our time. We closely watch how we spend our time. Don Whitney says, if people threw away their money as thoughtlessly as they throw away their time, we would think them insane. And I think that's true. If if Evan Jasper walked out of our service today and threw a $100 bill in the trash, we would say, that's crazy. Why would you Why would you do that? Go pick it up. But see, when we do the same thing with time, we, we don't have the same reaction because we don't assign the same value to time as we do to money most of the time. And we don't watch it as closely as we maybe would watch our finances. But we need to be paying attention. Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Another translator says, says be strictly careful then about the life you lead. We have to watch and pay attention. And actually, the, the, the Greek word uh, for careful in this passage, akribos, Uh, One scholar says it means to act with strict focus and attention to the details. Attention to the details. You know, I think we often resist paying such close attention to our lives because we would much rather live carefree. I know I would rather live carefree and just do what I want. I got my agenda the way I want to spend my time. But to actually take a close scrutiny uh, to how I'm spending my time sounds a little restrictive. It restricts what I might do with my time. But if we don't pay close attention to how we're spending our time, we would be extremely unwise because we have one life to live. It's so precious, so be very careful then how you live. And I think we're often not aware of how we're wasting time on trivial things and how that time might add up over time. Uh, You know, I think one of the things in this generation, in our culture, that the church absolutely needs to address is the epidemic of screen time addiction. Screen time. I did a little bit of research on this. The average person in the United States, just on social media, spends one hour and 14 minutes a day on social media. That's not including surfing the web and all that kinds of stuff, just on social media. And I did a little bit of math. If that were true, if you did that for every day for a year, that would be 450 hours or approximately 18.76 days of your year on social media. And let's say you just kept that habit up over a lifetime. If you did that over 50 years, say, from age 20 to age 70, that would be 938 days or 2.57 years of your life spent on social media. I mean, you could take anything. What do you do for an hour and 15 minutes every day? It adds up over a lifetime to a lot of time. In 2017, there was a report that said the average U.S. consumer spent three hours and 58 minutes a day watching television. Now, actually, you might think that is a crazy amount of time And that was one of the lower stats that I found. I I found some stats that had much higher numbers than that. And if that were true, if if someone watched four hours a a day of TV on Netflix or Hulu or or cable, that would be 1,447.83 hours per year or 60 days of your year watching TV. If you kept that up over a lifetime, over 50 years, that would be about 3,000 days or eight and a quarter years of your life watching television. Isn't that astounding how time adds up we have to be careful how we live on what we spend our time because our time becomes our life it becomes our life so we need to be careful how we spend it screen time is an epidemic in this generation and I believe that maybe some of you you could be soaring in your spiritual walk right now if you just reduced your media intake by half and spent the rest of that time in prayer in the word you could be soaring in your walk with God If you just did that one little thing, if you stopped the mindless scrolling and the binge watching and spent that time instead with God. Now, friends, let me be clear. I'm not anti-technology. I have an iPhone. I have a smartphone. Uh, I like to watch television at times. I think there could be some value in that at times. And I have to confess to you that this week as I was preparing this sermon, I was so convicted, I think by the Lord, that I deleted all the social media apps on my phone because I knew this was an issue for me that I needed to work on. And in all transparency, I want to confess to you that there have been times where my wife, Laura, has had to tell me, get off the phone. You're on the phone too much. And this is something I am working on in my own life. I'm trying to put into practice. I have to do better. But brothers and sisters, it is easier than ever before to be so careless with how we spend our time. We have computers in our pockets, and we have a vault of movies and several every seasons of TV show that you could want at the click of a button. It's easier than ever before to waste our time, to be sucked in to the screen time. You know, the enemy of God, Satan, he's doing everything he can to defeat us, to keep us from living a, a, a productive and useful life for the kingdom of God. And he really doesn't have to hardly defeat you if he can simply just distract you. I mean, does Satan really have to worry about us if we're mainly just watching TV and spending time on social media? No. If he can get you just to waste your time, you're waste you, he can get you to waste your life. And to be of little consequence for the kingdom of God so he doesn't have to worry about you too much because he's already distracted you. That's all he has to do. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful attention. And Paul says not to be unwise, but to be wise. Now, I want to be clear. This is about wisdom. This is about prayerful discernment. There aren't rules. There aren't regulations. This isn't about legalism. This is about wisdom. What is wise in light of God's call in Christ Jesus And the one life that we have. What is wise to do? So are you paying attention to how you are spending your time these days? Are you paying attention also to how much time you're spending in rest and renewal with God? I want to remind you that rest, that Sabbath, that time with God are always wise uses of time. Wise uses of time. Friends, God is not a slave driver. God is not Pharaoh. You've been reading in the Bible, the Exodus, right? And Pharaoh says to the Israelites, make more bricks, make more bricks, make more bricks. And by the way, you're not going to get any straw, make more bricks. Friends, God is not Pharaoh. He delivered the people from that kind of power, domination, and regime. So God's not over there being like Pharaoh, make more bricks, make more bricks. No, God wants a life with him. One of the Ten Commandments is a day of rest, a Sabbath day with God. In fact, when God rested on the seventh day, did you know that was our first day? Humanity's first day was a day of rest with God. We were meant to rest and renew ourselves in God. We need rest and recreation and enjoyment and renewal. And so we kind of have these two, two sides of this. Sometimes we are really prone to wasting our time on frivolous earthly things that don't matter. And sometimes we are prone to overwork and imagine God as our Pharaoh. And we have to find what's wise in the middle and pay attention and ask, Lord, Lord, am I finding enough time for spiritual renewal or am I overworking? Am I wasting my time on frivolous things or could I be spending that time to improve your kingdom? Is my walk with God stale? Am I, am I growing in the knowledge of the word in my life as a disciple of Jesus? If we find our life with God stale, I would submit to you that the problem is likely not enough time with God. Not enough time resting with God, reading the Word, prayer. We need to be rejuvenated by God. Regularly, inhaling the Word, exhaling prayer. And we need time to play and to enjoy God's good creation. Because He made it for us. So we need to be careful. This is about wisdom. Carefully paying attention to how we live our lives, how we spend our time. The second way that we can steward our time well is we, we maximize our time and opportunities for good. We maximize our time and opportunities for good. Paul says, be careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Now the word opportunity here comes from the Greek word kairos uh, which is the, one of the Greek words for time, but it's not the Greek word chrono, or chronos, which would mean a chronological time. Kairos or kairos, it's about a window of time, or the opportune time. It's kind of like saying the harvest is ripe, it's, the, it's this moment right now, it's the kairos time. So you can think of a window of opportunity. One translator, uh, Lensky translates this, keep buying up the opportunity, buying it out completely. The, the, word, the phrase here comes from the, the marketplace, the idea of buying up an opportunity, and it reminds me of the urgency we have every year at Black Friday. When all the stores tell us, there's a one-day deal. There's, there's door busters. you got to get in now or you're going to miss out on the five iPhones we have for sale. Buy it now before you miss it out. Call right now, 1-800. You know, that kind of thing. That is what Paul is going for. Buy up the opportunities now before you lose the opportunity. There is an urgency here. There's an urgency to making the most of every opportunity. And in one sense... This life that we have is one opportunity that we have to invest our earthly time for eternal good and eternal reward. So buy up every opportunity. Buy up every opportunity to maximize your life for God, because one day there will be no more buying up of opportunities. The market will be closed. Jonathan Edwards, one of the famous pastors in America in the 1700s, he's famous for making resolutions, and he made a few about time. He said, resolved... To never lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. And resolve to live with all my might while I do live. Friends, that's an example of wise Christian living. Of making the most of our lives the one life that we have. Now, on one hand, our life is the one opportunity we have. On the other hand, our life is full of opportunities. Opportunities that come our way. And I, I like to I kind of think of this as like a, a surfer who's looking for a wave. And being positioned just right, making sure that when the wave comes, they can ride that wave. Otherwise, they miss out and have to wait again. You have to be ready for the wave to come. In the same way, we need to be ready for the opportunities that God sends your way to extend his kingdom in this world. So are we ready? So, how can we maximize these opportunities? And I believe. If we think about what opportunities do we maximize, I think the scriptures boil it down to two different opportunities. One opportunity that we need to maximize is our opportunities to witness for Jesus. Our opportunities to witness for Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 4, 5 through 6, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If we are missionaries, which we are, right? Every member a missionary. We must be wise to take advantage of the opportunities God gives us to show the love of Jesus and to share it with others who come in our path. There's a story that D.L. Moody tells. He was uh, preaching a great revival. He's a famous revivalist in the late 1800s in Chicago, and he tells a story about he was at uh, he was preaching at a revival uh, right before the Great Chicago Fire started in 1871 and he says this on the night when the courthouse bell of chicago was sounding an alarm of fire my sermon was upon what shall i do with jesus i said to the audience i want you to decide this question by next sunday what a mistake that night i saw the glare of flames and knew that chicago was doomed i never saw that audience again Moody learned a lesson. God had given him an opportunity to share the witness of Jesus, and he said to himself, I'm never going to waste an opportunity again. If we have a wave, we've got to make sure we ride the wave, because another wave may not come for a while. So we have to make sure that we take advantage of those opportunities we have to bring up spiritual conversation with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. It may be the only opportunity that the Lord brings. So we have to be always ready to share Jesus and the gospel with those the Lord gives us opportunity to do so with. May Jesus Christ be on the tip of our tongue every day. And the second opportunity that we need to maximize that the scriptures tell us about is opportunities to do good for others. Opportunities to do good for others. Paul says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Paul says, our time in life is like a field, and you can sow seeds in this field, seeds of goodness, seeds of good deeds, seeds of generosity, seeds of love, seeds of witness, seeds of evangelism, seeds of of caring for others in their need. And when you sow those seeds, yes, they will reap a harvest in this life as the Lord allows, and they will also reap a harvest in eternity. It will make an eternal difference. Even if you don't see it now, this is how it works. We reap what we sow. So we have to be aware of the little opportunities that come our way to sow seeds of goodness into others' lives. I think John Wesley caught the heart of this passage maybe better than anybody else. And he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Now that's a high calling. Now that's a high calling, but it's someone who recognizes the opportunity we have before us to buy it out completely to do all the good we can. And I want you to notice that we're calling these opportunities. You know, I think these these are something that they are to. They're to our own joy and to our own eternal advantage to serve and help others. But you have to be to beware, because many of the best opportunities that the Lord will bring your way will come disguised as an interruption. It will be something that might interrupt your life. It might interrupt your comfort. It might interrupt your the time you thought you were going to spend. It might interrupt your your pocketbook. It might interrupt. It's going to interrupt something. And so you have to, to be aware that you might think, oh, this is an inter- interruption, this is a nuisance, but rather turn it around. Oh, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity the Lord is sending my way to do good for others. Why is it so important to take advantage of these opportunities? Why is it so important? The text says, because the days are evil. And Paul, in the next chapter, is going to go on to that famous passage about the armor of God and the spiritual battle that we have. And he says, if this is the case, if we're going to battle between the darkness and the light, how much more do you need to take opportunities to shine a light in a dark place? If you can do something to drive out the work of the enemy, to drive out the darkness in people's lives and make this world a better place, by all means, take advantage of those opportunities. The days are evil. So shine a light in a dark place with your good deeds and with sharing Jesus with others. So we maximize our time and opportunities for good. And finally, number three, we steward our time because we wisely live for God's purposes. We wisely live for God's purposes. Paul continues in verse 17, he says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And he had just said earlier in verses 9 through 10, to live as children of the light and to find out what pleases the Lord. Friends, probably the biggest way you might ever waste your time with your life, is to live for the wrong purpose. To live for the wrong things. To aim your life in the wrong direction. That would be the biggest waste of time. And God has created you, God has made you, and God has a purpose for your life. And it's our job to align ourselves with God's purpose. And God has a general purpose for all of us. To love Him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment And the second one. And so I, we have to ask ourselves, is my day-to-day life preoccupied with loving God and loving others? Is my time spent on loving God and loving others? Our greatest temptation is to live for self rather than for God and others. And so this is the work the Holy Spirit must do in us to transform us from the inside out so that we live for Jesus and other people than rather for, our, for ourselves. And I think the Apostle Paul caught this vision. He caught this vision, and and I think I, whether Paul says it, or I feel like I could be saying these words to you as well, that he says in Philippians 3, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, that time is spent, but straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Is your life pressing on towards the call of God on your life? To love him with all you have and to love others as yourself and to seek first his kingdom in your life. Is your life on the prize for which God has called you? And I believe if you are just consumed with this, if you would let your heart and your life and your mind be consumed with passion for the Lord, with passion for Jesus, then you will naturally spend your time in a wise way because you're doing it out of love for the Lord. And so you'll naturally choose things that please God and love others. And I want to be clear, maximizing our time is not about busyness. It's about consistently living for and choosing the right things. Choosing to love God and love people with our time. And friends, I believe when you do, you'll actually find your life more full of joy, more full of peace, because you're living aligned with God's purpose for your life. Let me give you a few thoughts and application this morning and how we can steward this time for the glory of God. Number one, steward your time by choosing prayerfully. Steward your time by choosing prayerfully. We need to carefully choose what we spend our time on. And some of you, you may need to decide in advance that I'm going to eliminate some certain forms of media consumption this week. I'm going to be like Pastor Nate and delete some apps off my phone or I'm going to turn off the TV. Whatever, you need to decide in advance because when the moment comes, you might give in. But another way that we need to steward our time is by prayerfully choosing what we commit ourselves to. And there's a great story that I love about Jesus. He goes off to pray in a solitary place just after he had been doing some ministry in the town. And Peter and his companions come looking for him and they basically say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. What have you been doing? And then he says to them, we must go to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. I need to preach to them as well. So Jesus was being pulled in one direction, but because he had spent time with the Father, because he had spent time with the Lord, he knew that the Lord was actually calling him over here to spend his time in those cities also. Now, we need to be careful that we don't use prayer as an, ex- as an excuse, to get out of what God might be calling us. Oh yeah, I'll pray about that, pastor. I'll pray about that. You know, we do that, don't we? And we don't pray about it. But this, we need to carefully discern, this requires wisdom, it requires prayer, and it might, it probably will require discerning with your trusted brothers and sisters in the church. God, what is God calling me to do? To use my talents, my gifts? What opportunities are the Lord putting in front of me? And what opportunities do I need to walk in? And what opportunities might I need to say no to so that I can say yes to what God is calling me to do? It requires prayer, wisdom, discernment. Choose carefully. There's no rule, only discernment. Number two, steward your health and your energy. Steward your health and your energy. Some of us, we're actually losing quality time with God and with others, and maybe even productivity at work, because we aren't managing our health. We aren't stewarding the one body, the treasure that God gave us. Friends, getting a healthy amount of sleep is really important. Can I just tell you that? It's really important. One of the most spiritual things that you might do this week is to decide to turn the TV off earlier and just go to bed. That might be one of the best things you could do for your spiritual life. It's something I'm working on too. But eating healthy, exercise, these things improve our energy and our attention and they increase the longevity of our lives and we need to be ready for the opportunities that God sends our way. And, be, and to do that, we need to be healthy. We need to have our energy uh, re- replenished through exercise, through eating right, through taking care of ourselves. Now, don't make it an idol, Don't make it a vain thing, but take care of your health. Take care of your energy. Paul says physical training is of some value. It's something that we need to do to steward our time well. Another, another way we can steward our time is to steward your vocation for God's glory. You will spend a great deal, deal of your life, whether it's your career or your calling and vocation as a stay-at-home parent. You will spend a, a majority of your life doing those two things. So steward it well. Maximize it for the glory of God. Use whatever opportunities you can at work to, to share Jesus with others, to do good. Remember that the finances God is providing you through your work can be used for His glory and His good. And if you're at home, maximize your opportunities to share Jesus with your children, and to teach them a lifestyle that loves God and loves others. Steward your vocation for God's glory. Another way we steward our time is steward your time in relationships. Friends, loving relationships takes time. They take time. Pursue hospitality. Not only is screen time an epidemic in our culture, so is loneliness. You can read any stats on this lately, but people are spending less and less time out with their friends because they're spending more time watching television. They go hand in hand. And so the quality of our lives, the quality of our relationships, the quality of our marriages begins to diminish when we don't invest generously in our relationships with others. And that's an expression of our love for them. Your time is your love. Your time for others is a way to love and care for them. And you know that, I, that I'm passionate about this. As your pastor, I'm always going to keep encouraging you to invest generously into the lives of your brothers and sisters, to invite them over to, it's never a waste of time to spend time and love others. That's never a waste of time. And finally this morning, and I want you to steward your time with God. Steward your time with God. Before I get into this point, I'll invite a close friend of mine up, Robbie. Uh, I have the privilege of having one of my best friends from college here with us. And he's a worship leader and a youth pastor in Indiana. And we've done ministry together for years. And he's going to, Uh, do a song for us when the sermon concludes to allow us to spend some time in prayer. Uh, But we need to steward our time with God, walking with Jesus. You can fill your life with all kinds of things, but Jesus reminded us, abide in the vine, abide in me, and you will produce much fruit. So don't let your life get so busy that you let your soul starve for time with God. Steward your time with God well. Invest your time generously with the Lord and with loving him and with loving others. In conclusion, I'll conclu- conclude with this one qu- quote: Only one life twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ, what's done for Christ will last. Amen.